0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the AFT Playbook podcast. Today I have a very cool episode for you. I'm interviewing Ben Settle from BenSettle.com. He is an email marketing slash copywriting expert, and his stuff is really top notch. Um, he's one of the people that I really follow and um, you know look up to when it comes to the subject of. Doing email marketing and copywriting, um, you know. In the forum right now, we're doing a contest with list building, so this is going to come right at a really good time for everybody. There's a ton of good information in here, so I'm going to link to all of it in the show notes. You guys can read those on the blog at afplaybook.com/blog. And without further ado, here's the interview. All right. So for those of us that don't know you, give us a little background about yourself. Um, sort of, you know, your your journey towards internet marketing and kind of how you got started and how you got into what you are doing now.
1: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to be as brief with this as possible because it's kind of a long, it seems like it takes me a long time to explain it usually, <laughs> but it's okay. But uh, I, I got my start around uh, late or early 1998 in business after I graduated college. And the first thing I did is I jumped into network marketing uh, because I, I didn't really know what else to do. I just knew I didn't want to work for someone else. I just, I don't, that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else about business other than, I had an uncle who was in Amway, and he's pretty big in that, and he's trying to like uh, groom me <laughs> to join his, his business, <laughs> which really like was like a betrayal when I joined a different company. But oh no, uh, so tough. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, I absolutely sucked out loud at it. I was the worst probably distributor <laughs> in network marketing history. I was the I'm like the guy that. People would say, don't sponsor anyone but this guy. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I couldn't sell anything, man, no matter what I did. I was just I was just not good at it. I, I'm, I'm kind of an introverted guy. And back then, there wasn't a lot of internet marketing going on in that industry. Sure. So I was doing things like really dumb things like handing out audio cassette tapes door-to-door to businesses and stuff.
0: And <laughs> getting getting laughed at what, what was your what was your pitch for that were you like here i made you a mixtape or i mean what no did...
1: I, I don't remember what it was it was it was so bad though it was like people <laughs> literally I, I could just see the life drain out of their faces <laughs> that's funny when i'd walk in you know and i go back to i lived in this like two-room office because i couldn't even afford like a real place had no shower or anything it was one of these things where the the office was conjoined to another office that the landlord had and uh-huh. the bathroom was in my office, so he'd come in every morning around 5 or 6 a.m. to use the bathroom because he was, like, jacked up on multiple prescription drugs. Kind of an older guy. Uh-huh. And I had to pretend like I wasn't living there, so I would get up around 4 a.m. every day, put all the blankets away. I slept on the floor, and go down to the gym down the street and play basketball for a couple hours so I could shower and come back and act like, ah, yeah, just here for the day. Just get, <laughs> you know? It wow. Just, yeah, it was pretty bad. I was, was like an idiot when I think about it, but... Uh, so anyway, I really sucked at it. I got in a lot of debt, uh, just thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. I didn't know what I was. I was really kind of getting desperate, actually, at that point, because I was going through a lemon law lawsuit and uh, you know just maxed out on credit cards. And I didn't really make much money at my job. It was just like part time at the time. And one night I'm laying there, it's like two, three a.m., and I'm just I can't sleep. You know, I just know something's got to change. And uh, you know, I just kind of like, God, you know, you didn't put me on earth to be a network marketer. I, I think that's obvious. So like, I don't know what to do. So I went into this other room in the office. It was a two room office and I had this bookshelf in there. And I pulled this book off the shelf that actually, ironically, the network marketing company sent me. It was called the seven lost secrets of success by Joe Vitale. And it's about this old school advertising guy named Bruce Barton. Now Bruce Barton is, nobody knows who he is anymore. He's just like an, he's just, you know, nobody, very few people knows who he is. Okay. But in the early 1900s, the mid 1900s, he was a household name. Everyone knew him. It was they, people would make jokes in the media like you can't run into anyone who hasn't heard of Bruce Barton. He was that well known. Uh, he was advising presidents. He was really big in the business community. He uh, he he just he just was a well known guy. In fact, his name Barton is the second B. In the big advertising agency BBDO, so he you know he was definitely okay. entrenched in that world, and it was 1919. There's a story in that book uh, during the year 1919 when the economy was really bad and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I don't know if it was Chicago or New York, whatever city he was in. He was in his high rise office building, and this uh, salesman came to him, and he said, "You know, Bruce, I'm out of work. I'm a sales manager. Um, I'm I'm out of work. I, what can I do? Help me help me find a job." And this guy apparently had a, a talent for writing sales letters. That was like he was known for that and all the jobs he's re- uh, had been in. And Bruce Barton takes him to the window. He says, look at all those buildings out there. Look at all of them. You're supposed to be good at writing sales letters. Why don't you write a letter selling one of these places? I'm hiring you. And I had read that story before many times, but it just clicked me that night. I thought, oh, my God, like you can get paid to write sales like to write a letter to somebody (laughs) Uh i didn't even know what it was but i didn't know what copywriting i thought it was like something you did you know like to copyright a piece of work or something (laughs) i mean i had no idea but that night i I jumped on the internet and i started looking everything up and i I found like the names that everyone in our industry knows like dan kennedy and Mm -hmm. gary halbert and it was like a rabbit hole after that and i just jumped down it and I, i haven't looked back since it's it's been quite an adventure
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty cool story. That's interesting. How did you, when you first started out doing the copywriting stuff, what were you doing? Were you like getting clients or were you um, promoting your own stuff?
1: Well, that's a good question. And and what I did was a little bit different. And in hindsight, I'm not saying this was the best thing to do or not. Um, But one of the first things I ran into was the Gary Halbert letter, which, you know, thegaryhalbertletter.com, just a treasure trove, right? I mean, you probably know about it. Yep. And one of the first things, one of the first newsletters in there I read was why MLM sucks, uh-huh. <laughs> ironically. And uh, in that letter, he goes, okay, here's how you you can start making money with copywriting. He goes, basically, the, I'm not going to go through the whole thing where it says, but he was like, find somebody who has something to sell and you go offer to sell it using your own money and using your own talent. You're just going to sell it and you have a commission, like whatever the product is. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I could I could kind of tweak that for this internet thing. Um, I was part of this. Uh, I don't know. It was like a. It was like a, a a list of people that it was called the Send Free Roundtable. I don't even know if it's around anymore. But it was basically like a, not very different than like a Yahoo list or a Google Groups list, where you had like hundreds of people on it, and they encouraged you just to throw offers at each other all day, which is really kind of cool. You don't see too much of that anymore, but I said I'm a copywriter. I will write your ad for free all I want is five (laughs) percent that's how like dumb I was five percent five percent of the sales and I I didn't expect to get a lot of like make a lot of money doing this I just wanted experience I wanted to get out there have experience like dealing with customers and clients and I wanted to start a portfolio so I did that and I got a good five or six clients like that I never made a single penny off any of them (laughs) I don't yeah. think any of them ran anything. Okay, but it forced me to like get good at this because you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking better. I better write a good ad here. Yeah. So I, it just, it, I don't know. It was a good way to jump in the pool. Uh, but in hindsight, I should have tried to get some paying clients too. But ah, eh, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So, so you didn't grow up. I mean, you didn't have an interest in copywriting until that point.
1: Yeah, basically. I didn't even
0: really know what it was. I mean, I I had heard about it obviously, but. I liked writing. Yeah. I was always I, I
1: enjoyed writing and like the concept of being able to make money by writing an eight-page letter and you know potentially making more money writing eight pages than a novelist writing five hundred pages will write. You know, sure. it just appealed to me quite a bit.
0: And did you have to study a lot before you would say you got good at copywriting, and or was it something that really just came with practice and actually doing it? Um, I
1: I spent every waking Hour every minute just studying this stuff practicing one of the things that that I was taught early on not personally but just by reading Gary Halbert's stuff was to um, write out other really successful ads in my own handwriting to get a flow for it, get uh, what yeah. he, he he called it a neurological imprint I've of what of it's like yeah. and it really made a huge difference I would get up every morning and I would do that for five I don't know fifteen minutes twenty minutes a day I would I would go to my job and. Instead of like hanging out at during my breaks and at lunch inside, I'd go out to my car and do that or listen to a tape
0: mm-hmm.
1: or whatever. I, w- I was constantly immersing myself in this because I just wanted to be, I wanted to excel at it. I was really desperate financially in those days and desperation will, will do that. It'll,
0: it gives you like energy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> I was real, I'm real grateful for all that in hindsight. So just to expand on that point, tell me if I get this wrong. The point of taking a, like a piece of copy and, then copying it by hand is basically just to get your mind really connected with it and and into it. Is that – I yeah. didn't say that very eloquently, but
1: – No, no. I, I get what you're saying, and it, it does a lot of things. Like for example, you you start – you write enough ads out by hand, and I recommend finding a copywriter whose stuff you just enjoy reading. Like It's like fun to read that person's stuff because it mm-hmm. just appeals to you. Like for me, it was Gary Halbert. For other people, it would be completely different copywriters. I say I would recommend staying away from all the online copywriters, like myself, because <laughs> we don't we we get away with being lazy and stuff because of the instant you know cheap free testing you can do. But sure. the direct mail guys, you know, they cost money. They don't just like yeah you know it's not like an accident when they put something out there. But what happens is you you start learning how to structure an ad. You start learning how to have a voice in an ad. And there's even like I've done research on this since then, and there is something going on with your hands, like it's connected to the creative part of your brain, mm-hmm. and it literally creates new neural pathways when you start doing something with your hands. Like, uh, I, I might actually could be sound kind of kinky, I guess, but <laughs> 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 but like, for example, there's this guy who's like a brain coach, uh, I forget his name, it's Michael Lavery, I think his name is, and he, he's he's really big on, on this kind of stuff, on using creating new neural pathways in your mind. So, for example, he'll have you take, like, a little uh, sledgehammer, like a two-pound sledgehammer, and hit a golf ball off it. Okay. You know, just, it, just as, mu- as many times as you can uh, with both hands, not just your good hand, but your bad, you know, the, like if you're right-handed, your left hand. Mm-hmm. And it just it starts, like, it does something to your brain where you start opening, like, I don't know, like new pathways. And another thing he'll have you do is write out in perfect, as perfect as you can, cursive handwriting, and then do it again with your left hand, like just trace over that. And it's just stuff like that. And and there is some science behind this that it does affect you neurologically. And I can say if in my case, writing out all these like ads by hand made a huge difference. It just copywriting came a lot easier after I started doing that.
0: I would totally, yeah, I totally support that. I've never done that with copywriting specifically, but I know that sometimes if I'm just doing general business planning or just some personal journaling or whatever, it, yeah, it's I connect with it way more when I actually handwrite it out than just typing it. There's like some kind of disconnect when you're just typing it and seeing it on the screen.
1: Yeah, and, and it, you know, and it sucks because I I don't know about you, but my hand cramps up real fast. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: but, you, know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs>
0: So, so your approach to email, email marketing and slash copywriting seems a little bit different than other people I've read. And I know everyone kind of has their own voice and everything, but how, can you talk about like where your style came from and your approach to doing that? You know, if it was born out of like what you studied or if you, if something you purposely crafted? Well,
1: I'll tell you what, there's several things. Uh, First of all, I was doing it the wrongs for so many years. I wasn't really making much money at the first several like, four or five years of doing it, mm-hmm. because I was doing what most people do. I was either, I was mostly giving away free information and, and like only selling if quote I had something to sell or trying not to offend anyone and and all that. But there's this guy named Matt Fury. He's he doesn't email as much as he used to. He used to mail daily, and his he had this course that taught like his system and all that and it, it had a huge impact on the way I do it I veered a lot from what he taught I mean I've, but he, the foundations were all there like mailing every day and not you know just having a personality and telling stories and always asking for the sale in every email I, you know I follow that slavishly today I you know I don't do everything I've veered away from most of the other stuff he's taught because it doesn't fit my personality specifically mm-hmm. but those basics there and that and he would call he said email is like talk radio. And I completely identify with that. Like, that is how I treat it. Like, an email is like a talk radio segment to me. So Mm -hmm. if somebody listens to talk radio, they know that there's some talk going on for a segment, which would be like 10 minutes or so. And then they'll go to a commercial where, you know, the listeners don't mind that there's a commercial. I mean, it's very direct response friendly. In fact, it's all direct response ads. And billions of dollars a year are sold via talk radio. So it's kind of like taking it and putting that on a computer screen. So it's like talk radio on glass, so to speak. And that's different than what a lot of people do. Like for example, it's very random. So mm-hmm. one of my, one a good friend of mine, Andre Chaperon, he's a he's an email guy. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And him and I have completely different philosophies on this. Now it doesn't mean you know one's better than the other necessarily. Sure. It depends on the person. But like for example, a lot of people will follow his thing, which is is more based on TV episodes and that kind of thing, like serial episodes. Mm-hmm. But I, I go the opposite. I'm like it's to me it's talk radio. I'm I'm in. I'm out. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just want to tell them I have something for sale and get out of there and move on with my day. So it's, it's very much based on speed. It's based on power. It's based on randomness, like whatever I'm thinking. It's kind of like having a conversation with a friend. I don't really know what I'm going to talk about. Just sit down and start talking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's been extremely uh, profitable, not just for me, but a lot of my students, and you know, it just, it just works.
0: So can you talk about the idea of like emailing every day and also selling in every email. Cause I know a lot of people, that's a question I see people asking a lot, just, you know, like on the forums and different places, you know, they, when they're making their autoresponder series, you know, they're like, okay, should I offer, you know, some valuable content and then in the next email, try to sell them something. But you basically like email and sell every day. Is that right?
1: I sell every day and I'll tell you, I got a whole, I could rant about this for, for days. <laughs> I could be like the raving ad man. <laughs>
0: okay, <it's> like,
1: <laughs> uh, ranting, rantings of a raving ad man. That would um, be
0: a good, that would be a good name for a podcast. Yeah, I was actually almost use that. Did
1: um, yeah, but I used something else. But uh, yeah, okay, so first of all, I, my whole philosophy is, th- it's really all about serving the market. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like, in, in the end of the day, it's about serving the market. It, yeah, we're all making money and stuff, but in order to do that, we have to serve the market. And I think it's, I really believe this, and this isn't just like something I say. It's like I really believe it, that it's it's if you have a product that's going to improve somebody's life. So, for example, if you know Affiliate Playbook, you know it's improved people's lives. I mean, you've, you've seen it. I'm sure you've gotten all kinds of testimonials. You know it's going to help people if they <clears> invest in it. And so it's your moral and ethical duty to at least let everyone in the market know it exists every day. Like, Like if you had the cure for cancer – would you, not, would you say, well, I'm going to educate them on cancer for a day before I tell them this cure exists, right?
0: Right, I see.
1: It's it's like, no, I know that that's more not what we're selling, and I get it that that's, that analogy doesn't exactly fit. No, I know
0: what you mean, yeah.
1: But at the same time, I'm not saying people have to be blatant. Like Not every day has to be a blatant sales pitch, but it, you, you tell a story, you put on a little show for them, just like talk radio. You just have a discussion about things that are interesting to your market. It could be, be about mistakes they're making. It could be about... Something that happened to you, for example, let's say you got pulled over by a cop on the way home and you got a ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's an email. You could tell that story and relate it to whatever you're selling. And it's everyday stuff that people can identify with, just like in talk radio. People love that kind of stuff. They love hearing stories. They love reality TV, for example. People like to live vicariously through other people. Sure. So so you're making it first and foremost, like, entertaining. Like, I start with that first. I don't just come out and say something's for sale. I have a conversation with them, and then I, I just segue into whatever I have to sell at the end. And they don't – I get so – I don't get a lot of, like, spam complaints. I, I get unsubscribes, of course, but sure. I get – I want them. If somebody's not hot, I don't want them. So I want them hot or cold, like stay or go, none of this lukewarm stuff. And by making them ante up and, hey, you got a problem, I can help you fix it. But if you're not serious about fixing it, then you should go somewhere else. That's the intention I have. I, I want to help my market. So, yeah, so every day I plug something. Now, some days are more blatant than others, but usually I, I have a good try to have a good balance. I, I want it to be worth their time. There's this guy, Ken McCarthy. He's like one of the founding fathers of internet marketing. Yeah. He's, he, here's his mindset, and I love this because I, I think this makes a lot of sense. He's like, before you push the send button, ask yourself, does this warrant my cut my list interrupting their day for five minutes or whatever, you know? And it, does that mean it has to be content? No. It means just get, being entertaining or having fun. I mean, content is so like easy to get now. You can go to Google and pretty much learn everything that you and I charge money for. Sure. I, mean, I mean, let's all face well, it. Well, no, don't sh- say
0: that. I'm going to have to edit that
1: part out. <laughs> okay. There's there's nothing new under the sun is what I should right. say. Right. And, it's, you know, people still need to be taught it. It's not like you can just go on the internet and blah, blah, blah. But sure. So content is easy to get. But what's what people crave now is more of an experience. They crave inspiration. They crave entertainment. They crave having a good time. They, they crave something that's going to break up the monotony of their day. Mm-hmm. And they want that more than content. They want the content. I'm not saying not that you don't do that, but you don't sell. Like content doesn't sell as well as selling. Okay. And the way I do it is actually selling, not just giving content away.
0: That's interesting. So... If you're emailing that much for any, I don't know, given product that you have, how far out do you schedule your autoresponder? Or are you actually just writing emails every day?
1: Well, that's a good question. See, for my main thing, uh, my main website, it's broadcast, daily broadcast. I don't really have an autoresponder, other than the welcome email. That's autoresponder. For other things, I don't want to spend like every waking minute writing emails. So, for example... I have part ownership in a golf company. We're going to be launching pretty soon. I'm not going to sit there and write a daily broadcast you know, for multiple segments of this list, which could be hundreds of segments by the time we get it all segmented out. I mean, it's going to be crazy. So for all those, I'll build autoresponders in advance. And so that way, I, it's kind of automated. But for my main thing, and I recommend this to people who, who have multiple lists and stuff, I really think that you should spend, you should do daily broadcasts for your main thing, whatever your main thing is that you do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a lot of time in the day, and you don't want to be writing five emails a day, then build autoresponders for your other lists, and and that's fine, you know. And, and I do, I build autoresponders the exact same way. I just think of something to write and write it down and plug it in the autoresponder, and it's been very successful having a very random autoresponder like that.
0: So do you? Um with the autoresponders, say you set up a series of, I don't know, thirty days or whatever, then at the end of that, do you sit down and write more or is the list kind of just do you just well, go broadcast then?
1: I'll give you an example. So one of the one of the niches I've been in for a few years is people with prostate problems. It's uh, it's just a problem that I had young when I was younger and it's in my family. I'm like a you know like genetically mm, prone yeah. to this stuff. And I had to figure out a way to deal with it and I did. And I wrote an ebook about it and I started a little list for it. And I wrote like 94 emails for it, I think, over the course of a month and a half. I wrote like five emails a day and or maybe even more than that. I can't remember. I wrote a lot. Okay. And I just let it go. And there was a time when it was doing like overall that funnel. I'm not going to say like just the emails, but the sales letter and the emails. And we're not talking about a huge list here. We're talking maybe 500 people. So I don't I don't know how statistically relevant this is. But I remember I would calculate it and it was like 22 23% buyers. Oh, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, and, it's, and that's how I built it out. So I've since done other things with that. I partner with someone else, and we're kind of letting it sit for a while because we're trying to figure out a good back-end product for it and all that. But point is, is I, I'm a big believer in putting, like, 90 e- emails in a sequence. And then after that, if somebody hasn't bought, maybe on that last email, you just put, like, a ridiculous offer at the end, like, here, just try it for a dollar you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something, just to see if they have any life in them whatsoever. And then if they still don't, you know, there's other things you can do with them. You can just erase them off the list. Because, you know, if you have a lot of people on your autoresponder, they start charging you more money per month for it. Yeah. And I, to me, to have non-buyers on there, it's kind of a waste. But maybe you could just lob affiliate offers at them or something. Who knows? Or, you know, you can do anything with it. But I, I like give I like to give them a good 60 to 90 days. And, and, you know, you'll get most of your sales usually in the first 30 days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if even if you get even if you only get a handful of sales in the next 60 days, that compounds on itself because you keep people keep coming into it. And then those buyers buy back stuff you're back-end selling and all that, so it's worth it to me. It always has been. That's, so that's one way to approach it.
0: So uh, I know some people are going to listen to this and, and cringe at the thought of writing that many emails. Yeah. It seems, so my next question was it that it seems like I don't know. It seems like a lot of marketers, if they're not like specifically in, you know, a writer or something, they just have a really hard time with writing copy. Either they just kind of like don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, or they just hate writing. Do you suggest that they just like buckle up and learn it themselves? Or is it worth hiring it out? And like, what are the pros and cons of each approach?
1: Are you talking about for emails or just sales letters or both? or?
0: Um, let's say for both, just for general copywriting. Okay. Or maybe start with the emails.
1: Well, for emails, I would say it's it's not really copywriting anyway and that anybody could do it. Um, people are already doing it. And I'll give you an example. I've written a lot of emails, so supposedly written lots of emails, that were really just like emails I brain farted out to a colleague okay. where I happened to say something that was worth hearing. And I said, oh, I'll just turn that into an email. I already wrote it. Or... You could go look at forums and blog posts where your market hangs out, and they people will are t- telling stories in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying to plagiarize anything, but for example, when I was I sold in the weight loss niche, I'm you know I'm not an overweight woman, right? So I had to like figure out the market, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to like say, okay, how do I talk to these people? So I would go into forums that were popular for that where that market hung out, and I would look at I would use like a lot of these soft uh, a lot of these forums have software where you can sort the threads by the number of views yeah okay so I would sort them so that all the highest viewed ones were at the top and usually you'd see like big discrepancies like huge differences in those versus the other threads well those are actually hot topics I mean people were responding to those so in some cases they wrote my subject line for me Mm -hmm. like whatever that thread title was you know Mm -hmm. or I would read through them and I would look at the stories and I'd say oh I heard about this person who had this happen to them she was you know, humiliated because her friend. This is one example. She was humiliated because her friends, like so-called friends, were passive-aggressively tagging pictures in Facebook that showed her when she was heavy. You know, and and this girl's trying to lose weight. You know, she's trying to better herself, and her friends are doing this. Well, that was an email. That was a great email story. And then you know, I segued into my product. And but I, I got in sync with them. And by the way, that email used as an example because it made a lot, made a lot of sales. And I've, I've. I gave it basically, I loaned it, gave it, whatever, to uh, someone else in the weight loss market, and he used it, and he said it just killed it. He's, he's like, he couldn't believe how many sales he got from it. And it's not like I made anything up. I simply looked at what the market was talking about, and you know they, they basically wrote it. I just kind of put it in my own words and used it to sell stuff. So anybody could do that. Anybody can tell a story. Anybody can make a checklist of things that their market's doing wrong. Anybody can just have a conversation. It's just right like you talk.
0: That's a really good tip. What about, and, uh, what, yeah, what about for, like, sales letters then or something that's...
1: Okay. Um, this is a timely question because I just had someone ask me this uh, who interviewed me last week. His name is Josh Denning of The Tropical Entrepreneur. I really had really like that guy, if, if you've ever heard him or not, but he's a cool guy. He was asking me that same question. He's like, you know, do, do I really need to learn this? Do you <laughs> recommend I hire it out? And here's what I say. I say, if you're not into copywriting, don't waste your time doing it, but you'll hire it out, but still get a a couple good of the better courses. Like, for example, I recommend Gary ben course, which is like $5,000. But, um, he, you know, he saw over a billion dollars worth of testing over 40 years. He was the best copywriter. Nobody could beat him. He was, like, unbeatable when they did A.B.'s test. You know, when they test him against other copywriters, his ads would always win. He was just the best. And then he retired about 11 years ago, and then he put on a seminar revealing how he did it. And, I, you know, I, I tell people to get that because you get that, you at least know how to identify if an ad is good. So if a copywriter hands you something, you know if it's good or not because sure. you've been through that. And it's a very simple system he has. But it doesn't just have to be his course. It could be any any good course. But as long as you understand the basics of what a good ad will look like, you don't have to be the writer. You could just say you could say hire someone out to something to somebody else. You can look at their portfolio, you can look at their experiences, and you'll be able to tell if they're good enough or not. And you'll be able to tell if what they hand you is good enough or not without you having to like bust your butt over writing it. Yeah. But but you should under you should at least know what a good sales letter looks like.
0: That makes sense totally. So you know you've worked with clients before and you've worked with some really big names and and companies. So how did they find you or how did um, you find them? I guess how did you get in front of those people?
1: Well, I did it the long way. Um, I. <laughs> So I took on an apprentice uh, later last year, and um, I learned that I'm the worst, like, person to be having an apprentice. <laughs> I, I'm just such a, I'm, I'm like, I'm just not easy to deal with, and I know that. So she's no longer my apprentice, but, okay. but I still hang out there a lot and I help her and all that. And uh, she's very good at getting clients. Like she's having no problem getting clients because she did the opposite of what I did. See, I spent all my time learning the craft. She's spending all of her time networking and going to events like she went to traffic and conversion, got a few clients out of that. She went to places where people are looking to hire copywriters, which is smart marketing. Mm -hmm. So what I did the opposite, I just decided I'm going to just become the best at this or the best I can possibly be at it. And just, you know, it's based on this proverb, uh, see a man who's skilled in his work, he's going to stand before kings. And I always thought that was a cool way to, you know, a good goal to have, just be good at what you're what you do and you will eventually I'm not going to say attract and I don't think it's like a mystical thing. I think it's just a practical thing. People are looking for the good talent. That's how I found a lot of my clients. They actually found me because I was doing so much writing. I, I wrote a whole bunch of like easy articles about copywriting during a time when I was kind of, I didn't have a lot of work coming in, but I had time to do that. Mm-hmm. So I would treat each article, like it was a sales letter in the sense that, you know, the goal is to get them to click to my site. And so I, I, I you know structured them like a sales pitch, basically, just selling my link basically. So I did it I took me a lot longer to get stuff going. And then, you know, when I started getting, not to say a name for myself, but I started getting on the right people's radars because of that, mm. I found it was mostly just social proof. It was just it, it, it was never really a problem after that. People would just refer people to me. I never even had to go out and look for them. but it's because I focused on just becoming the best at it. Again, I think that is not necessarily the right way to do it though. I think my my former copywriting apprentice is much better at that as far as like what what how she did it. And uh, you know, and, and she'll tell she'll be the first to say though that I, I helped a lot with her first few clients though, because I, you know, I put I mail my list for her and stuff. But still that's a fact that's a matter of knowing the right people. Yeah. And if you know the right people and you're good at what you do, you're they will be happy to refer you around to their friends because everybody wants a good copywriter.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've heard that, that so much of the consulting business is, yeah, based on referrals and uh, stuff like that. So for people that maybe are just starting out and want to get new clients, what, like your assistant that you were talking about, what does she do to get new clients or what would you recommend if someone came to you and said, hey, you know, I want to get clients, what what do I do? Do I go on Elance and look for jobs and bid on them or, you know, do I...
1: You could do that. I mean, I actually got my first paying client off Elance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think it's the best place to go because what you're, you're really going after price shoppers and not yeah. value shoppers. Yeah. But when you're just starting out, you know, it's not like you – and if you don't – let's assume you don't know anybody, right? Well, let's make that assumption so that it's like, okay, what's the worst case? Mm-hmm. You don't know anybody. All you really can do is go out there. Um, you can go into like Facebook groups and forums and that sort of thing and just kind of give advice and be helpful, you know, and a lot of people for you know, I'm I'm I like to make fun of the warrior forum, right? Yeah. Because I think it's devolved into something that's just a joke compared to what it used to be. Yeah. There was a time when yeah, you, know, you could lurk there and it would actually be very good time well spent, but nowadays it's just a joke. Mm-hmm. But it's still a good place, for example, for copywriters to go on there and just kind of mingle with people mm-hmm. and start getting a name for themselves as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh one good thing people one thing people should do, I think, is especially copywriters, because you're supposed to be writers is write a book about copywriting and give it away as an opt-in, you know, on your site. where it demonstrates your competence in the craft because you know a lot of clients just want to know that the copywriter is competent and that they they are writers and that they're going to make a deadline and that they're not lazy because that's a lot of copywriters are lazy and flaky. Yeah. <laughs> we're, kind of, we're we're kind of like used car salesmen, you know? We're <laughs> we're just <laughs> we have a bad reputation and there's a reason for that. And uh, but you know the good ones are, are, are if you're good at this, they are looking for you right now. It's like if you're good at copywriting, rest assured, clients are looking for you. It's just a matter of you putting yourself in front of that moving parade. But mm-hmm. once you do, it's not a problem at all. There's a there's a site called Copy Chief, which is CopyChief.com. I have no affiliation with it, but my friend Kevin Rogers runs it, and uh, you know he's telling me that a lot of it, even though it's, it's kind of like geared toward copywriters to like help each other out and put work through each other's work up there and critique each other's stuff. And, you know, just kind of talk to other copywriters. He's finding that he's getting a lot of would be clients joining because they are looking for good copywriters. So that would be another, it's not cheap. I think it's like $67 a month or something, but I mean, it pays for itself many times over if you're getting clients out of there. So that's another way.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So you have your own products, a couple of your own products. What, what's, was the biggest challenge for you when you were creating those? Did those come after you were doing like the consulting and client work or did you have those at the same time?
1: Well, that's another mistake I made. If I could go back, (laughs) I would have created a product right away because that product, you know, the MLM world is interesting. I've done a lot of copywriting for the MLM world, not selling MLM, but selling marketing information to Mm -hmm. MLM people, like selling shovels to the gold miners you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and they have this they have a very good way of like doing it the smart ones have always done this but now it's becoming more common is they call it a funded proposal so they're they're not trying to sell you on their like the smart ones are not going to sell you on their opportunity they're going to sell you like a book or a product that shows you how to be better at network marketing no matter what company you're in it doesn't really matter because now they're making money while they're trying to sponsor you so you're having money come in while you're Trying to get your, your new recruits and all that. And then of course people read your product and, and suddenly like, man, this person's a leader. He's smart. I want to work, I'm gonna be under him in his company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it works the same thing in, in the copywriting world is if you have like a product that's related to copywriting, and this could this could be for any service provider. It doesn't have to be copywriters, it's like any service provider. Just have a product that demonstrates your knowledge and that is really useful. And you're going to find that a lot of people want it done for them. They don't necessarily want to do it themselves. And they're going to hire you. It's like it, there's really no one else to hire if they like what you had to see. And I'll add this, too. If you're mailing daily, if you're, if you're doing it the way I show people to do it, you're the only option. They, it's like there is no reason. Because while other people will be out there considered experts, you're considered a leader. And people follow leaders. I mean, they'll listen to experts, but they follow leaders. And it's all about positioning yourself as a leader at what you do. And they are looking for it. Dan Kennedy likes to put it put it this way. At least he he wrote this in one of his sales letters selling a coaching program. He's like, everybody, including himself, and I mean all of us, we're all walking around with our umbilical cord in our hand, looking to plug it in somewhere. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. we're, we're, like there's certain things I need, definitely need help with. That you know, I'm looking to buy products on those things. So, you know, for example, I'm going to be doing some direct mail this year uh, to try to get traffic to my website. And, you know, it's just not something a lot of people do. So I went and bought a product from probably one of the top direct mail guys, and I plugged my my cord into there mm-hmm. because I don't know how to do it. So we're all looking for that. So for a copywriter, you know, make yourself that leader, and, and you'd be surprised. It, it's just once you get in the catbird seat like that, you're going to have people come into you. You're not going to have to worry about it too much.
0: So that that's interesting to me. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Like the difference between being an expert and a leader?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, you know, a lot of people say, here's how to become an expert. Here's, you know, it's good to be an expert. And, and it's true. I mean, but experts are not a dime a dozen in this that's easy self publishing era, right? Mm-hmm. Like anybody could put a book up on Kindle and now they're an expert. Yeah. Like it could suck, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> they can say I have a book, I'm an expert. Yeah. Which which is better than nothing. I that's mean, true. absolutely. But being a leader is when people actually following your advice and following you and they just, for whatever reason, they resonate with you. And that's where the daily emails come in in a big way, because think about this. If you're positioning yourself, let's say let's say you're positioning yourself as a leader in your market and you're only mailing them once a month, but someone else comes along and they're selling a very similar thing as you, but they're mailing every day. They have something to say every day, it, you know, subconsciously people are asking, well, if you don't you're supposed to be this like leader at what you do, but you don't have something to say every day or you can't put out more than that. Yeah. You know, they're going to wonder, is he really the leader or is she really the leader? It doesn't matter that they think they are, yeah. but the person who's there every day consistently, you know, in their inbox with something interesting and cool and, or fun, it could be anything. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a no brainer. That person's going to win it to those people. Well, you know, to the people on their list that they both share on their list. And that's why for example, if I, I don't mail for big launches or anything very often or anything like that. But whenever I do mail for somebody, like, for example, my friend Ryan Levesque, last summer he uh, was selling his Survey Funnel mm-hmm. product, which oh, yeah. is really good. It's really good, yeah. Okay, so you're familiar with Ryan. Mm-hmm. So so I, I mailed to my list. Now, my list isn't that much, you know, my list isn't huge. It's not small, but it's not huge. And there were people that were mailing their affiliates that mailed their list who not only have much bigger lists and bigger names than me, but who were selling funnel products themselves so their customers were their list is far more likely to buy that than mine you know i sell email stuff right Mm -hmm. so but I, i he said i beat them all like nobody was even close when it comes to actual conversions than mine did because you know because of the way i mail and everything and he gave me a nice testimonial about that and it's because to my list i'm they trust my opinion on this even though i'm not a funnel person but because i have that relationship with them they're willing to take a chance and we got a lot of sales and I think I beat the closest competitor by like 30% conversions. And we're talking pretty big names here and I don't have a big name, you know, yeah. not, not really, especially not in that arena. And it's because I positioned myself as a leader and they may have positioned themselves as leaders, but not to the people on my list I'm the leader. So I won.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I totally believe, believe all of that because I have, um, someone that mailed for me, he, he, He's a well-known name. I don't know if he wants me to name him. But he <laughs> mailed for me to a segment of his list, and it was, like, a really small – I think it was, like, 300 people or something. And I couldn't believe the amount of sales he, he sold. And we had a little survey. Um, it was for, like, a class we did, not yet to apply to take it. And one of the questions was, um, you know, why are you taking this class or why do you want to take this class? And uh, literally, like, 90% of the people that he, you know, sent that signed up, they said because so-and-so – told me it was a good class and I mean that was that was their main reason
1: you know it it doesn't take much I have a friend who his name is Marty McDonald he's one of my uh business partners actually in the golf business I was telling you about he has a social media company that's what they you know so he has like these clients that he does their social media for and he's very successful at it. it's a very very good successful company and he was telling me he had this client who just or would be client that was he was trying to get who just kept challenging him on everything just nitpicking him to death. He would make him answer the same questions over and over. Finally Marty's like, look, you want to know why you should hire me? Cause I'm not because I'm not full of shit. <laughs> and he got hired on the spot. Because that's all people really want. They want to know you're not full of crap and that you're going to deliver on what you say. Yeah. Right? So
0: Yeah, uh, that's an excellent point. Going back to the products for a minute have, do you have any preferred method of delivering your products? Like, have you ever done any products where it's email only like email courses or, um, you have a physical product yeah. thing too, right? The email. Yeah. I have a I'm,
1: I'm very partial to physical products and I'll tell you why in a second, but I'll answer your, your question first is I have never done like a, an email course and it's not cause I don't think they work or anything like that. It just, to me, it, it's, it's, uh there's okay so i'll I'll try to put it this way this is why i'm partial to physical products okay so some scientists i guess have done experiments with this where they measure the dopamine level of your body yeah like for example if you get a text message you get a little dopamine drip Mm -hmm. It excites you right it's like oh i got a message or i got i got an email dopamine drip yeah i got a of an instant message through Facebook, I get a little a dopamine. It's like a little. It's like you're getting high off your own dopamine. I mean, that's why people get addicted to this stuff. True. To, to their own electronics. Well, that that effect apparently, and I heard this from John Carl, who's a, a very good copywriter, master copywriter, one of the best. So I, I believe that he's done his homework on this. At least I, I trust it. He said when it comes to like something you get in the mail, that effect is like amplified like a hundred times or something like that. Like it's hmm. it's like. It's, it's so much more powerful to get something physical. It's like Christmas. Yeah. And it's not as fast. Like, you're not delivering it instantly, obviously. And I'm not saying that digital products don't have their place. I think they definitely do, especially lower-priced lead generation type things. It's great. But there's a, there's a definitely a case for a physical product because of that dopamine factor. It's like people are more excited to get your product or more likely to consume it then, too. And there's this guy, Sean D'Souza, uh, psychotactics.com. And, I just I think he's one of the most underrated marketing minds on the planet. He's been, he's one of the only ones out there talking about the importance of consumption. He goes everybody knows attraction, everybody knows conversion, but what about the consumption part? Because if they consume it what you what you bought, you've just pre-sold the next product if they had a good experience with no pitch necessary. And it's it's a very part but if they don't consume it they're probably going to go buy another product from someone else and and they're going to wander around like it's a casino. I call it the guru casino. You know, all these different products yeah. But his way of doing it is if you if they consume the product and they buy your next product and they consume that, sooner or later you're really their asses belong to you at that point, the market, because they're only gonna buy from you. And you know, he's got a whole methodology from that. But anyway, so you have this you have the you have that going for you. And then you also have this thing that's that a lot of people online have forgotten about called direct mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You have their physical address, and in let's say you sell a book or a CD. Let's say you sell a DVD, whatever the product is. Well, you can put an offer in that package that they're that is already going in the mail that sells them something else. It's almost like they're paying you to see another sales pitch. You just they call it a ride along in the catalog industry, and of course you can mail them other stuff later. But you that like for example people buy my my I have a print newsletter that teaches email right, marketing right. which people say isn't there a disconnect there and I say no and I and I go over the reasons for that but this every issue comes with a catalog where they can buy back issues from you know so it's like and, and other products too but I'm not it's it's almost like they're paying for it I didn't really pay for, to have that inserted in the envelope I mean it's it's they're paying me to to send them ads that's not the purpose of the newsletter of course but sure. I own the media so to speak, in that case, my own media. And there's a lot of power in that. And now going back to digital products, again, I like sometimes, like for example, the prostate thing I sell is just an ebook. It doesn't need to be a physical thing or anything. It's an urgent problem that people need like right away. And mm-hmm. and I get that. But I'm thinking for, you know, my way of thinking is something that's expensive and quality. Uh, why not give it to them in the best possible way where they're going to consume it, where they're going to value it, where they're more likely to, to use it? than, you know, digital error that, you know, what's, what's exciting about downloading something, right? But when you get, you're expecting something in the mail. It's like Christmas, you're just, giddy, you know, yeah. Ooh, the mail. So, <laughs> it is.
0: are there certain types of products that make for better, um, physical products? Like you mentioned DVDs or, um, you know, and maybe eBooks not being that way, but are there, is DVDs like the only type of physical thing you would mail or what kind of other things? Well,
1: Oh, I I mail manuals. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I have a product called the Copywriting Grab Bag, which is like a giant manual. It's a spiral-bound book, basically. And I charge like $300 for it. Now, if it was a download, I probably wouldn't be able to get $300 for it because there's a perception there. You know, here's a weird thing to think about. Uh, I've mentioned Dan Kennedy so many times throughout this course. It's kind of like I'm a Dan Kennedy (laughs) fanboy, and I guess I am a Dan Kennedy fanboy. But uh, he he, he did some work for uh, Nightingale Conant or... You know, whatever, one of those, you know, some infomercial type thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was him or maybe it was one of his students or something, but here's what happened. They they sold this product. They had it all nice and, and, you know, designed. It looked pretty, like something you'd get in a bookstore, like a real designed cover and all this. And they found that the refunds were really high, even though it looked valuable and all that. So they detested just, like, photocopied pages in a binder. Mm-hmm. And they found that refunds, like, dropped. Really? and there's this weird because there's a weird perception that if it looks like mass marketing, it belongs in a bookstore. It should only cost twelve dollars. Oh, like see. you ever you ever wonder how ebooks cost thirty-seven bucks, but if it's twelve pages, but a real five hundred page book in the bookstore is like nineteen dollars. Yeah. It's weird, and I, I don't get it. And I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's just how we are, I guess. So you might as well use that to your advantage.
0: That's true. Yeah, I guess perception is yeah really everything when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, I mean you could I mean if you you could sell some an ebook for $47 that you couldn't get more than 15 bucks for in a bookstore. Just even though it costs more to make the bookstore one, it looks better, looks more professional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For some reason the ebook could, you know and, and it's just weird. And that's why a lot of courses especially back in the early 2000s and the 1990s they it seemed like a lot of stuff was just a binder with photocopy pages, you know. It's like it's so unprofessional, yeah. You know? But <laughs>
0: over we two $300 courses.
1: So.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that that works. I mean, I guess it makes it easier for the people creating the course. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: why not? You know, to, it, it, it is just a strange phenomenon. That's all I can say. I, I don't understand it, but that's just how we are, I guess, as humans.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that in marketing where I, I say the exact same thing. Like, I don't understand it, but that's just kind of the way it is. Or <laughs> Exactly. Especially you do a lot of testing. I don't yeah. understand why that worked. I have no idea exactly why, yeah why, why did that
1: headline with the blatant misspelling outpull the one that spelled it perfect which I've seen tests like that it
0: doesn't make any sense but yeah,
1: there it is you you're know
0: totally right I think that's one of the biggest like sticking points that I see at least for people when they come into any kind of like marketing online marketing industry is they have to learn to accept that because they want like a formula like okay why does this headline not work and they you know want a reason for it or they want you know so they can replicate it and the sooner they can let that go and just be like, okay, you know, this worked for whatever reason, so I'm going to go with it.
1: Absolutely. And people get too addicted to formulas, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah, yeah. And some of the best headlines are just brain farts. Yeah. It's, just, it's just like something that the market's thinking about and bam. Like, you know, I've I've written headlines like that. We're just brain farts. I saw something that someone in the market said, and I said, man, that would make a great
0: headline to test,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and it, it works. So mm-hmm. who knows why?
0: So my next question, this is kind of an open-ended question, so I apologize in advance for this. But if you could name just a few of the biggest issues slash problems that you see people running into with, like, um, email copy, writing emails, what do you think they would be? Is there something that you see all the time, like, oh, people always do this and they shouldn't?
1: I can think of two things off the top of my head. One is not getting to the point. Okay. Uh, Emails are most people write way too long of emails. It's like, and they spend way too much time on these emails. I'm like, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes tops. Well, a lot of people spend five days on an email. Yeah, and it's you know it's perfectly written and spelling up. Uh, screw all that. It's it, it. Email should look like an email written to a friend. It's not going to probably be perfect, mm-hmm. and so they don't get to the point. And, and here's a rule. Uh, I don't say it's a rule, but it's a nice guide. I'm a big fan of this uh, saying that email. Well, this is not apply to e- It's apply to a lot of things. It should be like a woman's skirt, right? Short enough to get attention, but long enough to cover the details. Okay. And and, and no longer and no shorter than that. And so that's one thing: is just not getting to the point and not being pithy. You know, some of the best selling emails I've ever written are like two hundred words. They're not. Sometimes they're a thousand words. It doesn't really matter, but it's pithiness. Just say what you have to say and get out of there. Two, um, you know, without any throat clearing or any of that. And the, the probably the biggest problem is they're just boring. They're not entertaining at all. And mm-hmm. and people we're in a celebrity obsessed culture. This is something this guy named Paul Hartunian likes to say. He's a he's a master at publicity, and he's like we are in a celebrity obsessed culture. Which is why if you can get in the media, it's like you give yourself an instant advantage because now you're a celebrity. Even if you don't know what I know. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it's interesting That's how he, good yeah. He uses this example. He's like, now I have no dog in this whole like vaccine fight right now. Okay. I, I don't really carry the weight. So I'm just telling you what, what he was, this example he gave. Paul Artunian is a real doctor. He's like a trained medical doctor. And he was talking about how, I think her name was Jenny McCarthy, who wrote a book about this how vaccines cause autism. She got on Oprah. Mm-hmm. She got in all the media, <laughs> you know, probably sold millions of books. And I don't know if her book was good or not. I'm I, I, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. But he was like, "Isn't it interesting how? Here's a girl with no training, no medical training whatsoever, but she's a celebrity. Everyone listens to her. But the real doctors are saying the opposite, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and
1: mm-hmm. nobody even knows who they are. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it, it's like it makes sense. It behooves us, as I like so good, to to uh, to become celebrities in our own niche, right? Yeah." Uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but e- emails that are entertaining will make you more like that. You'll become more of a, you know, a lot of people in the internet marketing world throw jargon around, right? Like Rockstar or yeah. Ninja. My favorite's <laughs> a ninja. Like when ninja. Someone, Oh, we're a ninja. Yes. My, my, my former copywriting apprentice, she went to a traffic and conversion this last week uh-huh. and she said she went to a booth. I, I'm not going to say the company's name. I actually don't remember the company's name. And they're like, they're like some software people. And they told her, they go, oh, we're ninjas here. We're all ninjas. Yeah, we're ninjas. And it's like, <laughs> How I mean, I, I would I would literally laugh in someone's face if they said that. Like, but but anyway. So they throw these jargons around all this stuff. But think about it: if somebody's calling you rock star, that that's probably means you're doing something right. Yeah, true. You know, so something to think about.
0: Well, yeah. What's funny about that is it seems like people can uh, give themselves that name. You know, I I always remember this <laughs> one thing Howard Stern said like a long time ago. He said he was talking about how Michael Jackson basically named himself the king of pop. And it was kind of ridiculous. And then everyone started calling that. And so then he just decided he was going to be the king of all media. And then everyone laughed at it for like two weeks. But then all of a sudden he was, you know, the king of all media. So
1: there's a lot of power. And and this is something I have not done for myself for whatever reason, but I get there is power in like giving yourself a name or hopefully someone else gives you a name and and it is, it, it stands out. You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I'm guilty of not taking advantage of that concept, and I probably should. I don't know. My ego's so big as it is. You'd think that I would have done this by now,
0: but I just, I just haven't. <laughs> yeah, only so much time in the day, I guess. <laughs> I'll figure something out, one way or the other. <laughs> so, just just to finish out, this has been really good. There's a ton of good info in here. What are a few things that people could do that would have like the biggest impact, or say, lead to the biggest Improvement with their email copy.
1: Okay, I've, I've thought of three things for this that, okay. that anybody can start doing or, and should start doing, no matter what. And it's all easy. Well, maybe a little learning curve, but it's not insurmountable by any means. Mm-hmm. The first thing is, if, if they're if they're doing this, to stop hard teaching. By that I mean stop giving away information that's in your product in your emails. Mm-hmm. I think because a lot of people have this thought, like, oh, the law of reciprocity will kick in. Oh, this if this is the stuff he's getting away free. What's what? It must be something great in the paid product. <laughs> there are certain people who have huge lists <laughs> like the Frank Kerns of the world could get away with that probably. Mm-hmm. But most of us have to sell. Okay? We have to actually sell. I'm not saying there's not a place for doing that, there is. Right. But people will every day are like sending out hard content which just bores the crap out. People will say they love it. They'll, oh, man, this was great. Here's my favorite list. I man, you're the best. But, you know, look at your sales. Are they buying? Yeah. No, why should they? You're giving it away for free. Why the hell would they buy? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> like, yeah. Does it doesn't make sense. So that's the first thing. Second thing is everyone who wants to do emails should learn how to be infotaining, and, and I'll explain what that means. Infotainment is a cross between entertainment and information. So you're delivering information but in an entertaining type way. So for exa- uh, the best analogy I heard of this was uh, this guy Alan Alda. He, was the, he played Hawkeye in the show MASH. For-
0: oh, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I don't, know, I don't know. what the dem- demographics of your list are, but you know, if they're if they're millennials, they probably have never heard it of that. Yeah. So, yeah, But it was a big show, and he was talking being interviewed because his friend Don Hewitt, who founded the show Sixty Minutes, had died. This was back in two thousand nine, I think. And they asked Alan Alda, like, why was Sixty Minutes such a big hit? Like, what made it like this huge like thing that just came out of nowhere? And he was like, well, because it wasn't really hard news. <laughs> it's like, he goes, they gave you. A hot dog that nourished you like broccoli. So it's fun. It's like a hot dog. It looks fun and, and tasty, and it's you know it doesn't look like health food, but it still gave you a little bit of nourishment. You still got some news. It's kind of like all of our major news like cable news networks now, like CNN and Fox and MSNBC. None of them are hard news. It's all infotainment. Yeah. Um, you know the entertainment may not be blatant, but it's just hearing two people argue with each other and bantering is entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so, learn to be infotaining. I, Agora Financial is like a two hundred million-dollar-year company f- actually flew me into Baltimore last December to teach them this because it's so powerful and you know there's many ways of doing it but but infotainment could be just as simple as telling a story and then segueing into what you're selling it can be that simple stories are inherently entertaining you're giving information you're teaching them like a little lesson it's just mm-hmm. not something that they're gonna get in the paid product yeah so that's the second thing that's probably the most important thing okay and then third start writing every day And and, and it's not just me saying this okay Everybody who's heard now, maybe not everybody's heard of Alan Alda, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone has heard of Jerry Seinfeld. Okay? Yes. <laughs> and they, he was—I think it was—I don't know if it was Entrepreneur Magazine or Forbes or Inc. or something. It was one of these magazines. Um, they interviewed him about like how he got so successful because there was a time when he was the most highly paid, high-paid comedian in the world. Like mm-hmm. back when the show was on and stuff. And he said, you know, from day one, he he made a he promised himself, I'm going to write one joke a day. No matter what, I don't care what happens. I don't care if somebody just died. It doesn't matter. One joke a day. And he used a calendar, just a regular calendar like you'd have on your wall. And he would, you know, once he wrote a joke, he'd put an X to that day. And then the next day, he'd, you know, write a joke and X that one out. And it was to him, it was all about not breaking that chain on the calendar. So there was always an X next to each day. You know, there was never a day where there wasn't X out. And he said, by doing that, you know, one joke a day compounds on itself. And you know that that was the secret of his whole success. is that consistency, showing up every day, even if you don't feel like it. You just do it. You just push through it. And I promise you, good things will happen if you do that.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Last point. Yeah, I've I've read that um, Seinfeld productivity thing, and it's it it does work if you follow it. I do it. Sometimes I have a calendar laid out, and um, yeah,
1: and yeah. it could be anything. It doesn't even just have to be emails. It could right. be anything that you're trying to accomplish. Do it every day and just become the best you can at it. And you will get great at it. I don't care where you're at now. By doing something every day, you will get good at it.
0: So tell people where they can find more about you, buy all your wonderful products, read your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You have a podcast, you have a blog. So um, yeah, go for it. Tell us. Okay.
1: Well, the best way to just find out more about me and everything you can find at this site is just bensettle.com. And it, you know, there's a big opt-in form there, and I hope you opt in. But if you don't, you can bypass it, just go into the site. I have like over a thousand pages of you know information in there. I have a media page where I have like <laughs> interviews like this, and you know, there's just lots. There's probably over a dozen hours of actual content in there that you can have free, which you don't have to pay anything for. It's very valuable. I've had people say they've made tens of thousands of dollars just reading my free stuff. So it's not, you know, even if you bought nothing, you'd still benefit from it. But if you decide to Give up the goods, i.e., your email address to me. I will send you a PDF of the first issue of my email players newsletter, which is a I charge ninety seven dollars a month for it, so it's a real ninety seven dollar value. I'll send it as a PDF, though, not a physical one, obviously. And that contains twenty four ways to make your emails more profitable. I it doesn't matter what level you're at. Any, it's a no brainer to just go through that PDF and start applying it to your emails. And you know, people have made one lady told me that uh, she earned an extra fifty thousand dollars her boss a month just applying that free stuff because apparently awesome. her boss had a pretty big list I guess but still you know and she didn't even buy anything she just went through that so I recommend doing that but either way bensettle.com
0: very cool and you have a podcast too it's really good I listen to that a lot when I'm walking yeah. oh thank you yeah I have a podcast and, and I
1: every time I have I have a new one every Sunday and I always tell the list about it so if you're on the list you know you'll be notified whenever that's up and yeah so
0: very there cool. you go yeah, and I'll link to all that stuff in the show notes so people can find oh, it thank easily. You. Yeah, but thank you for doing this. This was great. There was a lot of good information in here. We're currently doing um, like a list building contest in the forum, so this is really going to help people out with that. Oh, lot. great. Yeah, great. And I appreciate you
1: have, like doing this, man. I really do. I've, I've heard about your site for a long time, and you know, I've just, I think you're doing great things, and I've heard good things about you and what you're doing, so it's been an honor.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Thanks for listening to the AF Playbook podcast. If you want to learn more about online marketing, visit my blog at afplaybook.com forward slash blog. That's also the place to get show notes for this and other episodes of the AF Playbook podcast. If you're interested in joining the discussion on the AF Playbook forums, visit afplaybook.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening and I'll catch you next time.